What's up, guys? Hey, welcome to Young Adults Tuesday night. Um, just a uh, quick reminder, our Thursday nights, we open up the gym, and we typically hang out and um, play volleyball for hours. This Thursday, we're doing a Christmas movie night, just like Kane said, and it uh, should be a lot of fun, so definitely hit us up there. Um, man, whew. Yeah, that that first song is kind of different than what our, our what we've... Let me see if I get my grammar correct. What we've sung in the past, is that the, or is it sang? Sung? Sung. Sung. All right. It's kind of different than what we've sung in the past. Um, it's kind of more rock and roll, which is, which, yeah, I mean, that's fine with me. And it made me think about, it made me think about the story in Acts. So this is not the message at all, but I, man, I just got fired up thinking about it. And sometimes God pushes us out of our comfort zone when it comes to worship, right? And um, so this might be uh, a little out of your comfort zone, and that's totally cool. Uh, but I just want to read this to you really quickly. Um, if I'm in the right place, here we go. Um, so Peter and John healed this guy in Acts, and they healed him um, while praying in the name of Jesus. And then they arrested him, and they went before the Sanhedrin, and they said, you got to stop preaching and healing and doing all these things in the name of Jesus. And they put them in jail, and they escape from jail. They come back to the believers, and they're telling their testimony. They're like, guys, uh, um, this guy was healed, and, um, you know, we're preaching in the name of Jesus. And then they said, you got to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And they come back, and they're telling their testimony. And here's, here's where we pick up. It's um, Acts 4.23, and this is, like, totally just off on the side rant. Here we go. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them when they heard this. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens, you made the earth, the sea, everything in it. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. And they go on and they're saying all these things. And then a little bit later, verse 31, it says, after they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken. So my mo my uh, mother and father-in-law were missionaries in China. And um, they uh, were visiting this church in Korea, actually, while they were there. It's um, pretty widely known as being the largest church on the planet. I think they have, I, I don't even know. I'm not, I'm going to screw it up. But they have this massive building. And... Um, they meet there literally every single day of the week, seven days a week, they meet there for this communal prayer. And um, they get up really, my, my mother and father-in-law, they get up really early and, um, you know, they're not late sleepers. But this morning when they got to this place, they said the prayers were so loud it shook the building. It shook the building. These, these uh, people were praying beneath them. They're in this um, guest room that was kind of uh, was like on the, an upper floor or something like that. But the room where they were meeting and praying, they were praying so loud it shook the building and it woke them up from their sleep. And I just pray. I'm like, man, I pray that we as a, as a community, as believers, man, I pray that we get so on fire that we're not afraid to let it get loud. Right and and let God kind of take us out of our comfort zone a little bit, and maybe we will get to be 
the kind of community, man, where when we get on fire for God, like the building shakes. How cool would that be, right? Come on, man. The building, let's, let's have a goal. Like as believers, as a community, it's like, man, let's, let's worship God until this building shakes, until people in Parker hear and come in because it's so loud. Man, that just got me fired up. So uh, that was for free. So here we go. Um, we have been in this series called um, Carols. And we've been looking at a different um, Christmas carol e each week. And the hope and the prayer, at least for me, is that as we look at these carols, I'm totally guilty of this. When I sing, it's holiday season, and I'm just like, uh, uh, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm like checked out. I'm thinking about like all the things that went wrong today. And my hope and my prayer as we get dig into this and as we go through these is that um, we can have an encounter with these, with these words, with these, um, these sacred words, and that it would be a moving experience, uh, maybe an encouraging experience, and that in the future when we sing these songs together, we're not just singing songs because that's not what we're here to do. If we're here to just sing songs Man, we can go do that anywhere, but we're here together to gather to worship the Father, and I hope that this is an encouragement for you guys. Um, by the way, there's like a ton of candy canes up here. I just put them up here so you guys can grab them if you want one. Um, but anyway, here we go. We're going to look today at um, O Come All Ye Faithful. O Come All Ye Faithful. We just sang it. And actually kind of jumping into this, um, it's a little bit tough, right, because the title <laughs> Like line number one is convicting, especially for me when I was looking at this. Is like, um, first off, I'm an introvert. Anybody else introvert in here? Raise your hand. Okay, right. I don't really like people calling me out to go somewhere. Like, I mean, I like to be invited, but I like to have permission to say no. Right? Who's there? Right? I like to be invited literally just so I can say I'm probably not going to show up. Um, but I hate it when people are like, Blowing my phone up. You gotta come. You gotta come. We're gonna we're gonna go do this. Come on. Don't be a don't be a hermit crab, right? I've heard that, and I'm like, you know. So I don't like getting called out first and foremost. Um, so that first line is like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what what I'm liking about this song so far. Um, but the other reason this is kind of tough is because it's it's like, oh come all ye faithful. Like I don't even know if this songwriters even talking to me because um, I think about the things that I struggle with. Maybe you're here too. Um, I mess up all the time. I messed up last night. I was, you know, um, I was working late, right? How, you guys ever do that before, right? You, you got something pressing. I was working late and, uh, you know, I, I had to ask for forgiveness from Jessica because I was just like, man, I shouldn't have done that. And, and um, you know, um, um, preview for you know, when you get married, get really good at asking for forgiveness, okay? Um, that's, like a, that's like a good thing. Um, and so I have to ask forgiveness literally like every day. And so because of that, I'm like, man, I don't know that I would ever describe myself as faithful. I don't know that that's a word I would use to describe myself. And I'm thinking like, man, the songwriter's already, like line number one, I'm checked out. You're not talking to me. Like you're telling me to come and, 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 uh, and I'm not a faithful person, and then the very next line makes it even harder, joyful and triumphant, joyful and triumphant, right? So I'm like hitting the, 
the snooze 10 times in the morning, and I finally roll out of bed, and I'm like walking into the kitchen, and Jess is there to greet me, and I'm, I, I'm guessing, you can ask her yourself, but I don't think she would describe me in that moment as joyful and triumphant, right? <laughs> Most of the time, I walk in, and I'm, I'm struggling, right, already maybe for the day. And I'm thinking about all the things that are ahead of me. And I'm thinking about things that need to get done. And I'm thinking about all the busyness of the season. And so maybe instead of faithful, joyful, and triumphant, maybe a more accurate description would be defeated, depressed, and doubtful. <laughs> maybe anxious, right? I mean, just let's get real. All the parties, the events, um, the gatherings that are happening, I'm hearing expectations, responsibilities, and anxieties. So I'm like, I don't know, I don't know if I connect to this carol a whole lot already. Um, anybody in here like to shop? Anybody here hate shopping? Nobody? You guys all love shopping? I hate shopping. And I especially hate shopping around Christmas. And here, this is my experience. Okay, so I get up to the cashier. Right, and I'm, I'm, tell me if I'm wrong, I'm counting how many people, you know, you got two lines that have the same number of people in it, right? And so I'm like following along, I'm not committed yet to either line, you know, and I'm, I'm looking to see who has more stuff on either side, but I haven't committed yet. And as soon as I'm like, okay, I got to commit, I'm going to be in this line, someone whips out a check, <laughs> Like, they're, they're going to write a check. Who writes a check? And then um, the next person behind them has, like, uh, an item that doesn't have a barcode. And, and I just spent what feels like a lifetime standing in line at Walmart or whatever place. And it's like, whatever joy I had is gone. It's gone. Um, you guys connect with that at all? Shopping? Lines are the worst. Seriously. Seriously. I, li I literally will not shop at stores that I know they understaff their registers because it's like, that's me. That's just me. Anyway, all right, so Joy's gone. You know, I'm frustrated. I'm already feeling like defeated and, and kind of a, a, a failure. And, um, and that's just like where I'm at when I'm looking at this song. But it kind of made me think about, okay, if this songwriter, they're, they're calling the faithful, the joyful, the triumphant. I'm thinking like, okay, well, who does Jesus call? Who does Jesus call? And I want to just look at a couple of places here really quickly, and maybe we can kind of answer this question this evening. Matthew um, 11, 28, it's going to be on the screen. Um, we're going to bounce around a little bit tonight, which is not typical for us, but um, here we go. So uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, we see that Jesus calls the weary and the burdened. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So that doesn't line up with the song though, right? It's kind of interesting. Um, Jesus also calls the sinner, Matthew 9, 12 through 13, said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. I don't know about you guys, but I connect a lot more with that because I feel like 
<laughs> and there's that word weary again, right? We looked at that last week when we were looking at All Holy Night. It said, a weary world rejoices. And I think that's so accurate, right? It describes kind of our culture and, and where we're at is, is, man, it's kind of a weary time of the year. And here Jesus is saying he's calling those who are weary and burdened. I can think of a bunch of burdens that are weighing down on my shoulders now. Maybe you can um, feel those as well um, in your own life. And so I feel like I connect so much more. And then, you know, Jesus calling the sinners like, man, I am so broken. I feel like I need a doctor, right? I mean, I need, I need help. And so all of a sudden, what, what, you know, these people that Jesus calls, it's different than the song, but it's like I connect so much more with that. It's almost like we can rewrite the song. Maybe it'd be a little more relevant. Maybe it would say, oh, come, all ye weary, burdened, and sinners. Maybe, maybe we would connect more with it right out of the gate. Oh, come, all ye weary, and burdened sinners. Luckily, Jesus doesn't leave us there as weary, burdened sinners. If he doesn't leave us there, where does he take us? That's what I want to kind of just um, talk about a couple things here really quickly, and then we'll jump into small groups. Number one is that Jesus helps us to be more faithful. Jesus helps us to be more faithful. Um, I just want to ask you a quick question. What is faith? What is faith? We're going to talk about it in our small groups, um, but I'd love for you to kind of think about that. I was chatting with Bryce about it this week. Like, what is faith? How do we define faith? It's one of those religious words that we throw around a lot, and we don't really take time to think and talk through all of the things that are involved with faith. Are there different kinds of faith? It seems like there are, right? Faith might be, you might have faith that your car is going to get you where, it, where you want to go, right? But that's obviously different than the kind of faith that we have in Christ, some would call it complete trust and confidence in someone or something or, or a kind of belief. Um, Hebrews 1.11, I don't think this is an exhaustive definition, but it's certainly helpful when we're thinking about what faith is. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And what I love about this description of faith is that it describes a conviction that already takes custody in the here and the now of what we hope for and what God has promised us in the future. It's beautiful. It's a conviction that takes custody of those things that we hope for and what God has promised. But it takes custody of those things in the here and the now. And I was thinking about, man, one of my favorite stories, Abraham, he is going up. God has called him to go up on the mountain and sacrifice his son. Now, before this happens, God has already promised that he's going to make him a great nation and that um, um, he has uh, promised him some pretty incredible things through his bloodline and all of these things. And so... Um, you know, Isaac is his only son, so if he goes and he sacrifices him, those things don't happen. And so he's headed up this mountain, and the people that they're traveling with, he says, stay right here. Catch this. He says, stay right here. We're going to go up on the mountain and worship, and we will come back to you. And I love that. His faith took custody 
of the promises of God that he was going to make him a great nation. And he said, when I come back down, my son will be with us. Even though God had called him to go to the mountain and sacrifice. And so what this kind of faith does is it forces us to look and examine God's character. God's character and his promises. The other thing that um, I think is a vital part of our faith in Christ that I think is so crucial and so similar is that just in the sense that love is a verb, right? It is an emotion, but it's also some, something that we do. And uh, Bryce and I were talking about this earlier. Faith is also a verb. It's an action. It's something that we live out. It's not only a conviction. It's not only a feeling. And uh, we actually have kind of a, a, a short definition of faith. You can go ahead and throw that up. So, so we see a belief that Jesus is who he says he is. We see a conviction that takes custody of what we hope for and what God has promised. It's a radical trust and a surrender of my life. And what we do is we, we, we take those elements and we add it in to this um, the sense of action and living it out. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. We saw this in Habakkuk. Habakkuk, God said, the righteous shall live by faith, right? It's a living out type of a faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And so when we add in all of these things, if, all, if our belief, if our conviction, if our trust are present, we are provoked to this living out of faith. It's not, um, I wouldn't say it's something that we have to try, right? I feel like um, if the, it's kind of like love, right? If the emotion's there, you're going to live it out. If, if our faith, if our, um, if our belief, if our conviction, if our trust are all there, we're going to be provoked to living out a life of faith. But what is the object of our faith? Now that we kind of talked about what it is, what is the object of our faith? There's so many logical and philosophical reasons that I could give you for why um, uh, why God exists, why he's the only true God, and we can go through all of those. Um, but what I want to just say this evening, um, has anybody in here watched or read The Case for Christ? A couple of folks. What I love about that book is like he is on this mission. There's like a uh, um, investigative reporter in Chicago, and uh, I can't even, it's Lee Strobel. And his wife becomes a Christian. He's not a believer. And he's like, man, I need to go figure out who this God is, right? Because his wife is like, I love Jesus. And he was kind of getting jealous. He's like, who's this Jesus guy she's in love with? It's kind of weird. Um, and he actually sought out to disprove this whole thing because he wanted to shut that down. He didn't want his wife going after Christ. And, and uh, so he starts digging in and he's calling all these people. And actually, he talked to some folks, some of my profs over at Denver Seminary. And long story short, um, long story short, he figured out that the entire Christian faith, our being Jesus followers, our um, not just being fans, but, but having a relationship with Jesus Christ is 100% hinged on this one belief, and that is that Jesus Christ was a historical figure and that he died and rose again. If we don't have that, we have nothing. If we don't have that, we have nothing. Paul said it too. He said, if Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead on the third day, we are spinning our wheels. We're lost. 
And that is the exact thing that scholars and scientists have spent, gosh, millennia trying to disprove the claims that this human being went to the cross and died and rose again on the third day. But he did. And it's never been disproven. It's never been disproven. There have been skeptics. There have been suspicions. It's never been disproven. So by fixing our eyes on Christ, by placing our faith, the conviction that takes custody right here and right now, and by living it out, thank God that Jesus will help us be more faithful. He'll help us be in a place and living in a place of real, authentic, raw faith. Number two is that Jesus helps us be more joyful. Kind of get where this is going. Jesus helps us be more joyful. Um, we see joy talked about in Galatians 5 as one of the fruit of the Spirit. And what's interesting here, I was thinking about uh, a fruit tree, right, like maybe an apple tree. An apple tree just grows apples, right, because it's an apple tree. It doesn't have to try. It, you know, it's, it's like it's just it's what it does naturally, right? And so maybe that's kind of circular thinking, but think about this. If the Holy Spirit is in you because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and if joy is fruit of the Holy Spirit and that Spirit is in you, you will bear that fruit. And that's, that's what this is talking about. And, and um, Jesus, through a right relationship with Jesus Christ, that fruit is there. It will be present. I really like this. I, I saw this this week. Happiness depends on happenings. But joy depends on Jesus. They're, you know, they're, they're worlds apart. We talk about the difference between happiness and joy and, and all of these things. And, and happiness is when, when my life is, is going the way that I want it or according to my desires. That's where I find happiness, right? But it's temporary. However, joy is something that I can have regardless of what's happening. Maybe a broken relationship or maybe too much month at the end of the money, whatever's going on in my life, whatever's falling apart in my life, I can still have joy because that's the fruit of the Spirit being in my life. And lastly, Jesus helps us be more triumphant. Dumb story, dumb story. When I was in elementary school, I was a beanpole, okay? Um, I did this really weird, awkward thing when we would go to the beach where I would actually stick my hands underneath my rib cage. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I was really, really skinny. Um, kind of a weird thing. But um, so, I mean, I wasn't a fighter, right, in, in elementary school on the playground, right? But my best friend Troy was like this big guy, and he, like, loved getting sent home for getting in fights on the playground. And uh, long story short, we're, like, playing tag, okay? And I'm chasing this other guy. Um, his name is Trey, so don't get him mixed up. Troy's my friend. Trey's not my friend, okay? All right. And I'm chasing Trey, and I tag him, and I think I hit him too hard, and he turns around, and he's like, man, what's your problem? And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is about to get ugly. And then two seconds later, Troy's right behind me, and I'm like, all right. I got a little courage, and I was like, man, what's your problem? You want a piece of me? And anyway, dumb story. All that to say, Troy 
getting my back gave me confidence. And it gave me some bravery for like once in my life. But, um, man, I think sometimes we forget who's got our back. I think sometimes we forget that we have the God of this universe who's got our back. Man, this past year has been nuts. And for me, um, in my own personal life, dealing with anxiety um, and panic attacks and things like that, uh, just being, like, vulnerable with you guys, like, um, that's a real thing. And, and, and a big part of it is, like, this element of fear, this element of, like, things are not okay. And I'm going to be honest with you, like, it was so helpful as I'm, like, navigating these moments, right, to do all the, the clinical things, like the diaphragmatic breathing and, and all of that stuff and trying to calm myself down. But you know what I came back to over and over and over was, was thinking on these truths, like, hey, God who created this universe, he's got my back. And because of that, I don't need to be afraid. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? So because God's got my back, I can be triumphant in Christ even when the freaking coffee maker breaks in the morning and I feel defeated already because I'm like, yo, I didn't get my morning fix, right? I mean, that happens. It's dumb and it's small, but how many times you're driving to work and like you didn't, something happened in the morning and it just threw your whole morning off, right? Uh, because I can be triumphant in Christ, um, I can do that even when I feel defeated by the time I get to work. I can be triumphant in Christ even when relationships are falling apart. I can be triumphant in Christ even when, you know, I get passed up for promotion at work. I can be triumphant in Christ even when I'm like overwhelmed, uh, when anxiety seems to be taking over. Because Jesus doesn't leave me at that place of weary, burdened sinner. He loves us too much for that. And it's almost like the writer is calling out to you and to me, and he's saying something a little different. This is what I want you to take away. He's saying, oh, come all ye faithful in Christ. Oh, come all ye joyful in Christ. Oh, come all ye triumphant in Christ. Let's pray. God, this, um, this was really convicting for me because sometimes I just have a bad attitude. Um, I love Christmas. I love the celebration, but sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes it feels like life is just too much, too many things going on, and I want to... I want to crawl into my shell and just block everything out. And I know that's not what you're calling us to. So, God, as we um, jump into small groups, I pray that, um, God, that we would just lean in, that we would be vulnerable, that we would um, really wrestle with this question of faith and the fact that you love us so much that you're not going to leave us as weary, burdened sinners. Thank you for getting our back. Thank you for helping us to be 
more faithful and more joyful. Just love you in Jesus' name. Amen.